0: Benifer is back, Brad and Jen are friends again, and Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai.
2: Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com.
1: What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. Roger, we got a special guest. One of the most talented dudes at the ringer, in my opinion. Um, co-host of Upside High, Jonathan is in the building. How oh, you doing, yes, sir? Dad? How you doing, man? Hey,
0: thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love y'all's pod. I'm
1: excited. Man, thanks. But first, hold on, Sharks. Before we 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 get to we gotta get to we we gotta talk to Roger right now because he's been in a bit of a conundrum this morning. We get a text to start off the pod, like pre pod, get a text. Hey, we'll be a few minutes late. <laughs> um <laughs> I have to, uh, uh you go ahead and tell the story. I don't want to slander your name. And Listen, I also don't, man. I don't want a certain, I don't want a certain someone coming to my bumper right now and going to my doorstep. So like, I'll first let you all, tell the story. What's going on? First of all,
2: Jonathan, you got kids, man. I got one. Yeah. Two-year-old. Okay. So you, I mean, you know, but you don't really know, right? Like I got four of them and we had to be at, out of our house for two months. So we had to move everybody into an Airbnb for two months. That's a lot of shit. All right. It's more shit than you can really imagine, right? And so then this morning was the morning that we had to move all of that shit out. But there's still construction going on in my crib, so I couldn't do the pod from there. So I wind up at my parents' house, right? Which is what you see in the background, my mom's office. And I'm going to just let you know, Logan, you don't want no smoke with Denise Bell. I don't think I want no smoke with Denise Bell. You don't want smoke. Tell me why I don't want to smoke with Denise Bell. Okay, so... You would remember this. This would be perfect for you. You remember when Kobe and I had our little moment? Kobe thought, he said, I you know don't Kobe know. You Kobe had a moment? Yeah. And he said, okay. you know, I don't know if he was hugged enough as a child. Like, it was one of his little jabs, <laughs> sla- <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, I called him pompous and arrogant. He said, you know, octagon. I said, we don't need an octagon. So we just, we did all of that. But then he said, and it was kind of funny that I wasn't hugged enough as a child. In a way only Kobe could. So... We're in the bowels, like, after we beat them game six in— in was it game seven, sorry, in Phoenix. Um, and Kobe is, like, one of the last people, you know, leaving, head down, kind of, like, walking through the arena. And unbeknownst to me, my mom has waited in the family room for Kobe Bean Bryant to come walking through. And once she did, once he did, she tapped him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, Kobe, and he turned around and she said— I'm Raja's mom. Could you use a hug? Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So you <laughs> were well, there. When, when,
2: you're were you there, there, with Denise were you Bell. there when, that, when
1: that happened? Were you there I when was, that happened? I
2: was. I was not there, but it
1: was confirmed by multiple sources and her. I respect <laughs> the sharks. Don't you respect like the pettiness of that? Because I do. The, just, I'm never going at Denise Bell. She's the OG at, at all times. Just, but just to think about. Her waiting, like, I'm going to get this motherfucker. Oh, I'm going to get him. After, the after y'all won, the patience, the oh. timing, being able to make the joke at the time, even after you've been thinking about it for, for I know, for days, probably yeah. weeks. Didn't fumble, time, right? didn't fumble didn't the bag. Didn't fumble the bag. Didn't fumble at all. Mm, no. Mm-mm. Respect it. Respect it. No
2: doubt. So lead office alone, bro. Yeah, I know it's bright behind me. I know I got my face on the wall. The post-it notes are in full effect. I know.
1: You're looking real angelic. You have a light behind you. It's a, it's, a, it's the it's uh, the it's a light on top. If people can't see this. The light on top of Raj's head. Uh, it is a a ceiling fan with a light on it. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm looking back in the behind and all these things. Everything about your mother's office means business. There's post-it notes. There's tax returns. There's there's you're, we're not messing around. I'm not. I ain't no slander. What from better way. what better place to
2: be with with with, with Jonathan Charles on like than to be in a place of business? That's just how oh. we get down. Mm. I love it.
1: Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. Sharks. I wanted to talk to you. We had Mark Cuban on uh, earlier this week and um, just kicked off Mavs week, right? But I wanted to get you on, um, just talk a little bit about the Mavs and some other things. But first of all, let's just put aside the blowout loss from last night. But I want to talk about Mavericks post-All-Star break. And it seems like one of those things where a little addition by subtraction, and it's kind of in a in a weird way, you know. You get rid of Porzingis, and you go on a bit of a run. Um, what do you think has changed over these last few weeks that you know maybe the national media hasn't been paying attention to?
0: Well, there's like two tr- tracks going on, and there's like a basketball track and like how the team is being structured. That's important in terms of how you build around Luca, and I'll get to that in a second. But I'm also curious from Raj's perspective. There's this track about what is it like on a team when one of the best players doesn't want to be there? Not that he's like necessarily acting out, but he's like, I don't like my role. I'm not happy here. I want more touches. I want the offense to change. And I'm going to let everyone know around me that I'm just not really feeling the mood anymore. Like, how does that impact the team? Does it impact the team? Or like, do you have much experience with that in your career?
2: Oh yeah. It is a, it's, it's, you know, it festers. um, and it's like, it's a cancer. It grows. It it It's silent. Um, it affects mood. It affects the people closest to you at first. And then it starts to spread. And before you know it, you know, a lot of people in that locker room are infected. And it's a, you know, locker rooms are a vibe. That's a place that you, it's, it's your home away from home. You're there so much during a season. It's a safe place. Locker rooms are for jokes. They're for stories. They're for, they're for, um, you know, counseling sometimes. Like there's a lot of dynamics that go on personal um, and otherwise in a locker room. And if the mood is affected by someone who's just bringing that energy level down, um, it's a hard place to work. And ultimately it does affect your product on the floor because it just brings the energy down. It brings the mood down.
0: Yeah, I, I'll just tell this story. So last year, after like, there were, there were games where Luca didn't play. And then KP always, he'd be talking to the media because he's like the next big star. So Luca's not out. And then everyone, he'd always say something along the lines of, man, the ball was really moving tonight. Did a really great job involving everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we would like joke and be like, who's gonna ask KP about ball movement tonight? <laughs> <laughs> so he would just be saying stuff like that. And all that to say, like, I don't even necessarily, I, I get it from mm-hmm. his perspective. He was an all-star he gets traded, he comes here, and he's like, man, the way this team is structured, I'm not getting back to that level playing with Luka. And I think that on some level really impacted just the way he felt about things. I I really feel at some point the Mavs said, we've just got to move forward. So there's that element of it. And I think the other element with, with KP being gone, it's okay, so when KP was in Dallas, they said, we have to make sure to play him not at the five all the time. Because we got to protect his body. We got to keep him healthy. We're going to stick him at the four, then play either Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba at the five. And that worked well enough. But the problem was okay, we have KP at the four, Maxi at the five, and then we have our two star guards, Luca and Jalen Brunson. But we also need two guys to play defense on the perimeter because Luca and Brunson aren't really stoppers. So when you do the math, that's six players on the floor, right? It just, the math never worked out. With KP gone, they go Luka Brunson and they've got uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock. So they got a guy for the top two perimeter players on each team, your two perimeter creators, and your big man. And that is really working well. That mix of players has just worked better around Luka than having two bigs. And I think that's kind of like the hidden element to why the Mavs are playing better.
1: No, But, Raza, when you, when you when you hear that, and I, we've always talked about this, especially with Luca during the playoffs, and how to build a team around him. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the traditional sense is when you have a guard of his stature, just put a big man there. You know, we've seen that time and time again to where you where you have that um, that ha- that play out. You have a big man, and then you have a a tall a, a tall big man, and then you have a a smaller guard. How do you feel like you should build around a Luca Doncic who is a ball? stopping guard at at points in time similar to a James Harden and has to have the offense roll all the way through him. How do you build a roster around that, a super talent that way?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, ideally, I think you get him someone, I mean, this is perfect world, right? Who can, who's a rim run presence, right? Like you get a guy who, when he's playing off of him and pick and roll, uh, can really get, downhill quickly into the front of the rim right and put pressure on it from a lob perspective like if they're playing any sort of drop coverage like you see him play James Harden in um you know he can just flip it up there at the rim but also you need the ability to kind of pick and pop quickly because Luca gets doubled a lot like I and and you know they'll send two at him so you need somebody to stretch that floor and then can make a play you need shooting and defending for sure three and D guys but I always think what gets overlooked a lot of times like especially with LeBron and I'll liken Luca to like building around LeBron. Um, they want guys that can shoot and people never give them enough playmaking alongside of them. And I know it's a hard balance because typically playmakers are, are ball usage guys and you can't have them eating up his ball usage time. But there are situations that you get into, whether they're off the floor, injured, or foul trouble, or just late shot clock situations where if if you don't have another guy who can create on the floor, then you're you're kind of stuck, right? And so, you know, it's a balance of of all of that um, in a perfect world. And and and, you know, I think the Mavs still have a little work to do. I've talked about this before, Logan. I also believe that as Luca matures, Luca's got a little work to do in in the space of like, hey man, I I want Logan and Jonathan on this pod to be the best versions of themselves. So maybe I give up the mic just
0: a little bit earlier than I ordinarily would. But, you know, I think they're pointed in the right direction. That's a great point you made there. And I think like being in Dallas and watching him and it's like, you kind of get impatient. You're like, man, it's been three years. Let's get moving on this. But it's like, he's still only 23. And it's like, okay, he's got to get his numbers, got to kind of get his MVP. I think there's part of it too where it's almost kind of like Kobe's years without Shaq. He kind of has to see how far he can go on his own energy and then realize, okay, I pushed my limits. I've done what I can do on my own. I've already proven myself. Now let me take a little step back and move it around a little bit. But right now we're much more in the, I'm just doing everything because why not? He's that his whole career. Yeah.
2: It's an interesting spot. And we talk about it a lot of points in career. Like to once he gets to the point, right? Like it'll be really interesting to see, like he could be special enough to win it, doing it just like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but everybody has that natural evolution. And in another world, and in a more evolved world for both Luca and KP, maybe it works because you're not talking about two guys that are like, yo, one, I got to get back to that level. And the other one, like, yo, I'm the coldest thing on the planet, maybe with the ball in my hand. So this is what I'm doing. But I always find that interesting, right? Because just at a time and a point in careers right now, that doesn't work.
1: Sharks, you're, you're close up to it. And, and I hear how you're talking about this, about it seems that you're saying, you know, Luca's. Um, seems like selfishness, but his propensity to keep on the ball and, and get his stats did that affect his relationship and also his on-court play with KP? Do you think to a degree?
0: It's it's hard. I wouldn't quite call it selfish, though. It probably comes across that way. I mean, he's holding, and that's certainly from KP's perspective. Like, come on, man, can I, can I have the ball sometimes? Like, I can do <laughs> stuff too. <laughs> Let's let's move this bad boy around. You've got plenty of numbers. Yeah, and I think too, I think the other really big change that happened this year with Jason Kidd coming in is he's really emphasized Jalen Brunson. Rick Carlisle, I don't think ever really believed in Jalen Brunson. If you look at the playoffs last year, he pretty much after like the first two games said, you know what? Brunson's too small to be out here. We're benching him, playing only wings around Luka. And so then it's like, with Kitty's like, no, we're gonna start Brunson. We're gonna make sure he's got the ball. But then it's like if Luca's gonna have like, you know, 80%, that 20%, now you're cutting it up even further between Brunson and KP. And I think that's really where it became untenable. It's like, okay, we got Luca, Brunson's our number two. Well, now KP's our number three. And now it's like that's just probably wasn't gonna work long term. So I watch,
2: I watched them um And then I'll go back and look at some of their games that I haven't seen and just dig into those box scores a little bit. And you did, you talked about one and two, right? You know what you're going to get out of one and two. They're at their best when they can get production in the high teens to 20s from three, you know? And so for them to be the championship team, I guess my question, who's the most likely candidate to be the consistent number three? Or will it always just be that revolving door
0: of characters kind of around those guys? Well, I mean, it'd have to be Spencer Dinwiddie. And he's been great since... Coming over in the trade, and that's been like the most surprising thing. Because like I was kind of talking about how the Mavs needed to move on, and it was like, well, we just got to break this contract up. KP has bring in some guys, but he has been so much better. Like it's like been a switch going from Washington to Dallas, and I think we were all a little surprised by that. We were, I think, the assumption was because he's coming off the ACL injury, maybe he needs a full year to get back to where he was, and now he's just coming to Dallas. As a sixth man, hit the ground running.
1: No, it, 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 When I, when I think about building a team around Luca, and um, you know, I, I either think about LeBron's early years and even James Harden years in Houston, where he's such. There's two ball dominant guys, where it's, it's, they're going to take the lion's share of the shots, and we've talked about this uh, throughout the beginning of the pod, Sharks. My question to you is, how do you try to con- build a contending team and a championship level team? Where you know Luka's going to take most of the shots. What kind of star or uh, complementary pieces do they do they need? Because I, what I don't want to see from Luca is what I see from um, Harden a few years ago, where he's taking most of the uh, offensive burden, and then he gets tired throughout the during the playoffs, and it's it's kind of and then then the team goes downhill from there. What what is they if you had to create a person, a, a, a
0: sidekick or something of that nature to go along with Luca, who would it be? I'm Anthony Davis, someone like that, someone who's like thrived next to LeBron, someone who can put up massive numbers without necessarily needing to have the ball in his hands the whole time. And I've I've kind of looked at it from the Mavs perspective. I almost feel like it's kind of more about Luca at this point, in terms of who does he wanna play with? Who wants to play with him? I think sometimes we get so caught up and it's like, well, who do the Mavs gotta bring in? if you look at how the league moves these days, it's who does a star want to bring in? Who does he know? Who does he have that personal relationship with that he can, like, work it out? I think there was kind of this assumption, oh, Luca and KP, well, they're both European. They're both kind of the same age. They must be tight. But it's like, <laughs> there are different parts of, like, KP and Luca did never play together. They're not, they didn't, like, grow up playing on Team Slovenia together. So there not, wasn't necessarily a huge... Pre-existing relationship, and that's what I wonder is the next step for Luca too. Is how do you develop that relationship with people when you don't have that background of playing on Team USA? When you didn't, you know, I think that's a, the big thing for him is he didn't grow up in America, right? All the American kids know each other, right? They mm-hmm. played they since they're sixteen. Luca was a pro at fifteen. He didn't know anybody.
2: That's a re- that's a really interesting point. Um, it makes me makes me feel like it's almost going to be predicated on how far Luca can get a team without a star to get one of these guys to trust that he's the dude you know what I mean because the organic relationship isn't there so it's gonna have to be his I mean individual and team success at that point to have someone look at that and be like oh yeah yeah yeah, I can envision myself going there and with me in the mix like that's a championship team I think you know what's one name and I always think about it that, that I liken him to obviously stature doesn't doesn't really make sense but I played with him, it's Allen Iverson. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I I I thought about it when when Jonathan was talking about um uh KP <laughs> looking at him like, "Yo man, let me let me touch that a little bit," you know? And I wasn't in that boat. I was a first-year player, but there were older vets on our team that were around AI at the time that I would often hear, you know, grumblings about not getting the rock or not touching it, but you know, ultimately AI was the type of competitor that just felt like it wasn't selfish. It wasn't like, yo, I don't want anybody else to eat. Or, you know, I want to be the, the, the MVP. So no one else is shooting it. it, 1000% wasn't that it was just, he believed that he gave us the best chance to win games in certain situations. And the ball was going to be his. And, and people eventually trusted in that and did their job. Every competitor wants the ball. Everybody who plays basketball, none of us growing up being defensive stoppers. We don't, (laughs) You don't come up in
1: the YMCA being like yo, I'm a I'm a strap that shit up, bro. You ain't getting a buck.
2: We all grew up scoring,
1: so we all. You didn't the grow ball. up in the, at the Y just slapping the slapping the. Uh, come on, man. I feel like you grew up slapping the court. Come on, you know, nah, I mean, I,
2: we're all fi- we're all different. I was always fiery, man, but we got buckets. But I think of Luca like AI, where like there's a recipe around him right now. Um, but I don't think I don't th- see it as selfish either. I see it more as like yo, man, I'm nice with this. Like, and if we're gonna if we're gonna win then than the lion's share of it's going to you
1: know be predicated on how I play. Sharks brought up a great point. I just wanted to, wanted to get your thoughts. We didn't really get on. He he said Anthony Davis. Let's go. Let's do a creative world. You 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 know we talked about we've talked about Anthony Davis plenty on this podcast. Anthony Davis to Dallas. Just you know I don't know what the contract stuff is right now. It doesn't matter. Yes. Anthony Davis to the Mavericks right now. What will be your thoughts on that? Him playing with Luca? So yes for me with with AD and
2: and the Mavericks and. Here's why I think it was a great point about about understanding how to play off of a ball dominant kind of high usage guy like LeBron, but also Luca's young enough where you ain't got to pass that torch to AD anytime soon. That's my only beef with him as a Laker. My beef was you paired him with LeBron, who was looking to kind of hand the baton off and kind of take the back seat, and because of you know his you know just injury history, and I think at times. Personality, I don't think that was in the best interest of the Lakers, but I do think it would fit well with Luka because Luka's here. Luka's just approaching prime. Like LeBron is on the other side of it. So I just, it was a non Laker fit overall for me, but I think it'd be great for the Mavs.
0: And then something else that was interesting. Um, so the Mavs retired Dirk's jersey, I guess, like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And then Dirk was talking after the game and he's talking about the struggles he had early in his NBA career. And how much that shaped him as a player. How much he kind of had to like humble himself. And like, oh, I don't really know all that much. I've really got to break it down and kind of build fresh. Because I'm kind of starting from scratch here. And I don't think Dirk in any way was taking a shot. But I'm hearing him say that. And I'm like, okay, that's how Dirk's career went. Well, Luca has not exactly started slow in the NBA. He's not exactly started slow in Europe. So it's just a very different... Psychology behind it. I always tell people like the number one thing I said about Luca. He was the best player in Europe at 16. You have to start with that, and like, how is that going to affect how you view the world, how you view the game? Like, this is easy for me, man. Like, I, I was 16. I didn't really have a car, and I'm killing these <laughs> grown men, killing them.
2: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting like perspective to see the world <laughs> to see the world through, like where you come to the nba and you don't skip a beat like and people like people were were like nah that's not gonna translate like maybe not
1: athletic enough we don't know and you didn't miss a beat oh man i remember the first time i saw luca he went it was 19 went baseline and just dunked on kevin durant and damian jones um two seven footers just on a whim and it was an and one foul i was like oh okay he this dude is it was nasty (laughs) at 19
0: so his rookie year like we're asking him all these questions and like because we're thinking as like you know in the media well there's all this stuff about luca there's these doubters he slipped in the draft people are doubting his athletic ability can he make the jump and like you're kind of thinking in your head there's these narratives about like oh i gotta prove myself and you're asking luca and it's like it doesn't even make sense to him. He's like, what are you even talking about? Like, I'm awesome. Like people <laughs> thought I wouldn't be like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, right. he's, and like, every time you ask him a question, he would be like, oh, I've been doing this since I was like 14. Like, i am just, it's just normal to me. Like, I, I'll be fine. Don't like, he's beyond even like having to prove anything. He's already proved it in his mind, basically. <laughs> what's the other
1: side of that though? Right. Cause you did bring up, that's an interesting point, but the other side of that is like, eh, I'm, I'm I'm good enough right now. And like his playoff success doesn't suggest that. How do you, I I just don't know where that, where that goes. Is that need? Does that ride someone in the locker room? Does that attitude need refining? Yeah. I,
2: I mean, listen, it's, it, you're talking again about the arc of a career, right? The arc of a, not a career, like of a, of a human being, right? Like you, you come in and you're brash and and cocky, some of us wear that on our sleeve, some of us don't. some of us just have this confidence that he's talking about like man i'm what are you talking about? this is me I'm nice I, I this is what I do um, but you know, like he we talked about Dirk coming in and and even though he hit the ground running a lot faster than Dirk did and he had more success early, ultimately, you're judged by your team success your championships, and that hasn't you know that hasn't really happened yet um I do think that he will mature. I think right now he's still in that phase of. I can do this, and maybe he can, maybe he will. Um, I still think though that that roster needs a piece, like, a, and the AD piece is the, like, I mean, if that's the piece, that's it. But it needs a piece, and then Luca's going to have to take the next step. And here's here's why I think he's going to be able to do that. There are two names. It's going to be Nico Harrison, and we talked to Mark Cuban about you know the people skills um, and and the guy you want to go out and have a three hour dinner with and really just talk about life and J Kid getting Luca to understand like how important the support around you is, even if you're still doing, you know, like your usage rate, is, slips fractionally by a two percentage points, but just allowing someone else to help you and how that translates into, into more team success. But I think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other side of it is he showed up to the season out of shape, like
1: <laughs> he's vibes. He was vibes at the beginning of the season.
0: It's just, I mean, it is what it is, right? He just didn't, work out in the offseason. He play like he's he's been like I play my way into shape kind of guy. And you're right about the playoffs. I think for him, these first two playoff runs, there was no expectations really. It was, oh, we're playing the Clippers, playing Kawhi. Like you just, you're like, you obviously trying to win, but no one's like, man, Lucas should be in Kawhi in that playoff series. He's really disappointed. This year is different. I think now it's gonna get a little more if they play the Jazz or the Grizzlies, there's gonna be a lot more expectations. And if they don't win those series, if they lose in the first round again, I think you'll start to see things change a little bit.
1: How how much how much uh blame would you if say if they lose in the postseason and maybe in the first round or the second round, either way, how much blame would you Sharks do you think would go to Luca versus the front office, who did trade away, you know, whether you wanna say locker room dynamics or anything, they did trade away a guy that has have all star talent. So how do you what, what do you think the, the reaction would be if they do have an early early round exit this season
0: I mean I think we all know the blame goes to the star ultimately right like end of the day like it's gonna be on first take it's talking about five players and the guy the, the main guy that's, that's part of being the main guy is you're gonna, get the, you're gonna get the blame for it I think there's no question about that no matter what actually happens it's gonna ultimately go on Luca. well that, there you go um, Take a quick break I wanna talk
1: about a star on the decline
2: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn
1: more at NissanUSA.com. And we are back, Sharks. I don't know. I don't know how much you listen to the show, but um we have a Russell Westbrook fanatic here, and it kind of pains me whenever I No, nah, we ain't up about Russell to start. Westbrook. No,
2: we ain't about to start that
1: shit. Nope. Nope. What, what you mean? Nope. No. I already oh. know what you're about to do. Nope. Oh. I'm not about I'm about to just ask you a question, my nope. guy. Well, nope. Can't I ask you a question? Go ahead. <laughs> all right. So Westbrook <laughs> has been has been going through it all season, right? And I don't want to talk we we've we've already discussed his his on court performance. And, uh, yeah, um, but I want to talk about some stuff that's going off court with him, right? His, his wife, uh, talked about how the family is getting death threats and, and all of these things. Now that is fucked up. That is not cool. But Westbrook went, um, had a, uh, post game presser, um, and talked about how he does not want to be called West Brick by people around the league and, and um, commentators. They're putting dirt on his name and all of these things. Um, And it's been an evolution of how he takes trash talk from the, uh, the, the the fans this season. And I remember after um, a game in Sacramento, uh, he said he welcomed uh, critiques and now it seems like it's weighing on him. It's, is this tenable for for Westbrook? Is this is he seems like a guy that it, it get, stuff gets to him. Like no, I think his lone season in LA. It seems like stuff has gotten to him. Is is this warranted? Is he should he be going out of, out of? Should he be going at the um, the media establishment for calling him West Brick? Is that fair game, or, is it, or are we just is, is there a little little sensitivity there?
2: Fans can say whatever they want. Like I don't. I, I mean, death threats. Like that's. I mean that's, that's not cool. That's, that's purely ignorance, right? Like that's uh but you know, like I, I've been in that space too when, when I ran a foul of Kobe, like, you know, I we we got those. Like, and the point is it should never happen and that's never excusable. Um in terms of being called Westbrook and being being kind of ridden by the fans, like that's part of the gig, man. It's part of the gig. Like, I you know, you don't have to like it, but it's part of the gig, bro. Like, you're subject to to people in those stands, you know, booing you, calling you names, yelling airball if you miss it. Like, we all know that that's baked into the pie. I draw the line with media nicknaming someone Westbrick. I think he has a point if I didn't see his statement. But if, if it is media that he's asking to stop calling him Westbrick, I would agree with him. That's not your place. Like, as a media member, it's not my place to nickname him West Brick or anything like that. But fans... Like, you don't get to ask fans to stop calling you something. If that's the
0: nickname that they've adopted, I mean, that that is what it is. I mean, nobody wants to be disrespected. No one wants their family to be disrespected. So I certainly understand where it's coming from. I think it's like the word should. A lot of things should happen in this world that just aren't going <laughs> to happen. You know, like, that's kind of what Raja was saying, like, I've been to plenty of games. I've never been someone who thought that made even sense to, like, yell at players. I don't even understand that mentality, honestly. But I know it's going to happen. I don't know what there is to be done about it. I don't know that complaining about it's not going to make it worse, it uh, would be my guess, right? If Once they know you get under your skin, they're just going to do it more. It's not like it's going to stop. So I don't know. I feel a little bad, but obviously, he'll be all right, like... I'm sorry you're getting <laughs> insulted. It's it's a tough world. I I get it. You
2: know. Yeah. This is look, dog. It ain't work. Look, Russ. Russ in L.A.
1: And you know I love Russ, man. And I I, I do. I just and, see no. But it's funny because I've seen you just like it's just it's it's the season is just kind of taking a lot out of you with the Russell Westbrook fandom, and it's just taking a lot. I remember the beginning of the season where it was like yeah yeah yeah. Now when we talk about Russ, it's like uh. Well, you know, it's not really on court for me, man. Like you can have
2: an off season. Like you you can, you know, I didn't look at his numbers today to tell you like what percentage points they're off and how many he's averaging versus. I I don't know. But like you can have an off season. There can be a bad fit for you, you know, in terms of an organization and 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 I can still, you know, keep my fandom right where it was, but what's what's kind of it hasn't really turn me off but it's let me see another side of Russ's the dealings with the media some of the comments with with um, you know with what he expected the Lakers to be as a team and kind of the lack of ownership at times of of the you know of the of the kind of uh, of the poor play you know and a lot of finger pointing and, and then sometimes you just got to say hey, man I've, I'm not playing well I'm I'm not like I mean shit It happens, you know, but I'm working my ass off and I'm trying to be better. And I can't tell you when that's going to happen, but I won't stop working. I can promise you that. You know what that buys you with people? What that buy you? Boy, that shit buys you a lot of time, buys you a lot of goodwill and faith with fan bases. If you can just say, hey, dog, look, I know not fucking fully holding up my end of the bargain right now, but I am working my ass off. I promise you that. I am in there every day when y'all ain't looking and I'll be out here competing every single night until it gets better. That shit will at least buy you until you could get traded. But you sit up there and you know, <laughs> you sit up there and you blaming everybody else and telling the fan, like that shit turned me off a little bit, man. But I still fuck with Rush, you know that. Yeah, it's
0: kind of like what Raj is saying. I mean, sometimes you just gotta take the L, like we all take L's in this life, it's okay. Like, just gotta, I mean, everyone sees it, just take it and move on. I mean, it happens.
1: Yeah. I don't know, the, the utter defiance though has been, been. Been a lot, because I mean, I think we've seen it a lot in, in Oklahoma City and, and even in Washington. Like, hey man, like I, I know what I do, I do what I do, and I think that it it builds a it builds up Russ's psyche in a lot of ways, and that just hasn't worked. In um, L.A., where you got a lot of eyes on you, you're coming home. You got people not only us talking on podcasts, but when you at the crib, people are in your ear. People are telling you about, you know, you got a lot of your family around there. You're, you're not isolated when you're with the Lakers. You, you're a story every single day. And it's interesting, man. Like, some, I think Russ is showing that, like, doesn't matter what kind of star you are, some stars just aren't built for LA, bro. Or, or these, or they may, it may be one of those things where you, uh, you know, or the LAs or the New Yorks. But I think we're seeing now, man, a lot of people are just built for straw mar- small markets, and that's okay. You know, I, that's what I th- that's what I think with the Russ situation. A lot of guys just aren't built for the the brightest lights. It could be that, but
2: I, I think it's it's not just L.A. I'm I'm reluctant to say that Russ isn't built for L.A. Uh, Russ isn't built to be on a, a, a on a team with LeBron in L.A. That's not playing well. That's a lot. Mm. That's mm. a different. That's a different like animal than just being in L.A. You're playing with LeBron. Not many people play with LeBron. Ah, uh, when someone isn't like hurt and they're whole as a team, and 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 have the lack of success that that they've had this year, and so do so you just think it'd be different if everything. like
1: if if Russell was like if, if this was Russ and AD, do you think it would be different? Do you think yep. it, like how's so? up? Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you don't. I, I you extract
2: you extract LeBron from those situations, bro. And there's a different level of scrutiny that a team comes under just off the bat, right? LeBron's LeBron's not there, but number two. Um, I would make the argument that if LeBron wasn't there, Russ would look more like himself. And so you wouldn't get the level of like, man, you, you, God damn, bro. All your numbers are falling off, bro. Cause he'd still be in that space of doing what he's always done, which is ball in his hands, volume, volume, volume. And so the numbers are at a place where at least you can, you know, defend a plays his ass off. He plays hard every night. You know what I mean? And fans kind of, you know, fan bases, you know, when he's yours, they like that because they see how hard he's playing. Now, I might not win championships and it might wear thin eventually, but I don't think it becomes what it is right now.
0: Okay, I'm curious you say that, Raja, because with the Lakers lately, I have kind of feel like LeBron's decided, this team ain't going anywhere, but I'm going to get my numbers. So hey, nobody gets nothing about me. I feel like there's kind of been a switch flip for him. Like, you know, we might be losing, but my numbers are still my numbers. I'll make sure that's still the case.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think you could definitely see LeBron trying to prove that this this shit is not me like this is there's no fading in 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 the uh in the career of lebron james not not as of yet and you know i i i'm interested to know whether that's like hey man i'm trying to get these these records and get you know or if it's like out of out of pressure and necessity from 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 his own kind of vantage point, like yo, man, this this shit is ugly. This shit's gonna start reflecting on me. I have to go out and prove that that it's not. You know, I, that's it's an interesting dynamic because I've seen it too.
1: It's it's I don't know. It's interesting just because just the special kind of shit show that the Lakers are this year. It's, it's oh. just it's 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 disheartening in in all ways. But I don't know. LeBron's is just in a weird space. I saw, like when he played against the Warriors the other day, man, goes for fifty six. They that was the hardest I'd seen the Lakers play. All season, And I feel like if they would have played with that tenacity, they probably would have won about 50 games. And I, I just kind of wish that like, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't, it didn't have to be this way. It, it, it's just very unfortunate to this Lakers team right now. They look like a toxic locker room to be in.
2: You asked me earlier about players being in locker rooms where someone feels like they're getting the short end of the stick and they don't feel like they're getting the touches they deserve and what that does to a locker room. I'm not saying that that's the exact case um in terms of personalities and stuff but that locker room eventually winds up looking like this locker room which
1: looks toxic <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of 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 leaving toxic locker rooms let's go to the, uh, go to the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> You've been practicing, sun. Oh, I've, I've been locked in. I've been locked that in. That was
0: a good segue. That was well, good. That was good. <laughs> you see the
1: vibes. Y'all see the energy. Chargers, we're, we're, they were, uh, uh, Danny Green was on Rosillo's show and was talking about just James Harden and talking about how James Harden has just been a reclamation project onto its, itself. Just been great. In Philly, to the point where like Danny Green is saying, Oh, he's one of the hardest working players I've seen. Um, he's out here, he's out here playing. He's out, like I said, he's running a four, three forty on uh, and, and just running fast breaks. Are the Sixers just because we we're talking about this as the Sixers are going to play the Nets tonight? Are the Sixers just are they going to run the table in the Eastern Conference Sharks? Let's stop the breaks. A little I gotta bit. chill. I let's, gotta chill. Okay, my bad. Let, let's, my bad. I, mean, I, was, I gotta chill. I gotta relax. <laughs> they look great.
0: But the playoffs are a different animal. It always looks good at the beginning. I remember when Harden came to the Nets, it was all love. It was looking great. you know. Harden's really moving the ball. Lot of, lot of. Let's just see, you know, they're down 2-1 to Milwaukee in a game four. What's going to happen? Like, not that they can't do it. They got all the talent in the world. But I do want to see it. Before. I'm just going to start saying, there's some great teams, these. It ain't just the Sixers.
2: Facts. I, I think a level-headed approach is appropriate here. Right. I think Logan, you know that as much as as much as much it's looked great so far, it is a very small sample. But you don't size. understand
1: how great it's been looking, though, right? Like they're talking about I mean, he looks slimmer and red. They're talking about how he's I, just smiling. You know what's, he's, he's, what's interesting to me about that is that I think it speaks less to
2: James Harden, if you can believe I'm about to say this, because you know how I feel about like, but I think it speaks less to. to James Harden and more to like what was going on in Brooklyn and how messy that is. You know what I mean? Like I, I really do. I feel like I feel like James Harden has kind of probably kept his mouth shut about all that he saw in Brooklyn, if that makes sense. And he was just you know, happy to be the hell out of there and he feels free again. And so, you know, I'm I'm happy I'm happy that he's playing great. I'm really. I really want to see Ben Simmons on the court. I want to see what Brooklyn looks like, but not surprised by the, the Sixers. I'm just, I'm, I'm in the camp of, there are a lot of really good teams in that damn East and I got to see it in the playoffs. Like I ain't saying it can't happen, but, but there are a lot of good teams in that East.
1: Roz, a pure teammate, uh, just like slightly switching gears, a pure teammate of Kyrie Irving's. If you see him drop 50, are you hella juiced or are you like, what the fuck? Oh, wh- where are you, what are you doing? How are you feeling? Really? You really want to? i no, really want to put the, go down this road. You put, you're trying I'm to really put the, really the battery to, in my back. You're trying I'm to put putting, the battery it, in my back let's today. Let's get it, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's end the week right. No, I ain't let's gonna let do you do it. No, I no. Now you're gonna nip your heel on here today. What, nope. what would you? How would you feel? What would you? How would you feel if that happens? Hey, like, good for you. Good for
2: you, bro. Good job, dude.
1: You're not giving him a high five. Just like that. Hey, good shit, homie. You're not like yeah. Good shit, homie. We'll see. We'll see you on
2: the next road game. Hey, thanks for the 50 ball, bro. We'll holler. We'll see. <laughs> you so, know you. I mean, that, but are you
1: look, staying here or are you, you coming on the plane with us? <laughs> you're right.
2: What right. You doing? Oh, you're you hitting the Caymans for a few days, dog. No? Okay, we'll see. We got we got three home games. Um, All jokes aside, like it's got to be for, I would be frustrated. I mean, sure. Everyone wants, everyone wants to have a guy on their team that they know can go off like that. It just, you know, your margin for error just increases you know, exponentially, but like shit, it's got to be frustrating again to calibrate to that, or at least get your, you know. I mean, wait, what was the movie, man? It was Harlem Nights? I forget her name, <laughs> man. But she was, she was talking to like Red Fox, and she was like, "You got my mouth all ready for some orange juice, and there's only a swallow in the container." Right, like, <laughs> yes, like, but that's the shit, though. Like, I'm like looking, like, man, this shit could be what it is, and no, no, we ain't got you this, this for four games in a row. Like, that's got to be uber frustrating. I got another
1: Harlem Knights reference. Kyrie huh. is like Arsenio Hall when the, in the shot, when he's shooting the gun. That's the rest of the team. That's the rest <laughs> of the Brooklyn that's just shooting all season, and then Kyrie comes with the, with the random, pow. <laughs> Kyrie hits the little twenty two, pow. He said, like, "You shoot that gun again." <laughs> sharks what do you what do you think about brooklyn right now going for the rest of the season it's not tenable is it it can't be tenable
0: i don't understand what's going on up there like i just don't even understand i i thought he could play i don't like i'm not a municipal political expert i don't know these rules like i don't understand what's happening i i obviously i love watching kyrie play i love watching kd play Let's just get out there and play basketball, guys. Let's get Simmons out here. Like, is he hurt? I don't, come on. Like, let's go. Like, I just want to watch him play basketball. Until, until we do, there's just nothing to say almost, right? Like, they haven't played together. We don't know what it's going to look like. And obviously, on paper, it looks fantastic, but that don't mean much, really.
2: It doesn't. And you're creeping on. I mean, what are we, like 15 games now? It's like a month away from the postseason, bro. That's—I mean—that's a lot to ask people to just solidify roles and get comfortable, and just—and I would—I mean—I hear people telling me all the time, oh, like Ben's not playing; his back's hurt, and so rather than throw him out in, in game situations, they're trying to get him in game shape, you know, behind closed doors before he gets it. You can't get in game shape behind closed doors. That doesn't happen. Yes. That that's that not can't physically happen. possible. It's not physically possible. Twenty games into the season, when you've got a wealth of bodies that can go play like four on four and five on five, at this point in the season, you're not even doing that because you know, like everybody's banged up to some degree, so you're barely getting any work in. So, you know, I I am really concerned about what his health situation is. But even if he comes back healthy and and looking good, that's such a short amount of time to get everybody on the same page. I have my concerns.
1: I don't know if it's going to happen, man. I, I, it's not this season. It's not not this season. I don't even know if they do they get into the postseason. Do they do they figure it out in the play-in? That's one game. That's a one hitter quitter. You could lose. Right? I don't know. It's 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 interesting, man. It's interesting. That was Roger. That was like a AAA battery. huh? That was a AAA battery in your back. It wasn't like the big the battery that we we'd normally have the the electric car Tesla battery. It wasn't that. It was the it was the it's <laughs> a small one, man. You're, you could tell it's do
0: it. it's kind of like sometimes you got a fast break. The guy gets the three. And he thinks about it. No, no, no. We're running back. Get the We're offense going. <laughs> get the ball to the yeah, front yeah. guard. That's what that What's was. Let's go play it there. This one. He still scored. He still scored. I don't, I don't quite scored. have it. We'll run a play. It's
1: fine.
2: It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's good so good. <laughs> no, nah, he's so good, though, man. Like, do you know, I think it's not. Jealousy is the wrong word because I'm not jealous. Like, I'm just, I love. I. I. I he's so brilliant. Like, it is so cool Kyrie. to watch that. Kyrie. Kyrie. That I just get really, really frustrated, like, about the situation and i try to see it from like KD's perspective and steve nash's perspective and then just as a general fan it
0: sucks because like you want to see him play yeah and either way i just like let's just get KD in the playoffs we all saw what happened last year against the bucks when he what game seven overtime pretty much playing one on five against the eventual champs let's get him in the playoffs let's just see what happens let's appreciate who knows how I mean, Katie gets her all the time. Who knows how long we got. Let's just appreciate what we got with them. So actually, I went to Texas. I was there when he was at UT. So I've kind of gotten to see the whole progression. And it's, it's been awesome to see. I love watching him play. It's amazing to think about where he was at 18, how much he's added to his game in the last 15 years. And I, oh. I've, I've just loved watching it. I love watching him play and get these guys to the playoffs. They probably won't win, but I'm going to enjoy watching them either way
1: facts fuck yeah man that's a great place to end sharks man before we get you out of here we got to we got to do a segment that we like to call real one of the week (laughs) Right, <laughs> right. You, <total laughs> right, you, yeah, you, you got to figure. You got to figure. Let me look stuff out. Up, quick, bro. Yeah, yeah, you got to no, no, figure no, no, it no. out. Sharks, yeah, yeah, you up. got one. Yeah, I'll just I'll start it right back up. You good?
0: I thought you were gonna ask me for like the was it Jomi segment that? The, the, <laughs> <laughs> why are you real mad? <laughs> why are you mad? <laughs> Tell them why are you mad,
2: son? Tell them why you mad.
0: I got mine. You um, got um, yours. Okay, I, I got a real right one of there. the week. I got a real one of the week for you. I got to give a shout out to Roy Williams, UNC coach. Great career. He just walked away. And I guarantee you he was enjoying himself uh, last Saturday. I guarantee mm. you he was having quite the time. I respect it. I respect everything you did last Saturday. That was an all-timer.
1: Yeah, man. I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm probably going to take Rogers' thing. I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns, man. Earn a playoff berth. Been <laughs> been the best team in the league all season long. Um. Just a really good story, man. You know, I respect it, and I, I really love watching him play. So I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. Raja, former Phoenix Sun, Sun Ring of Honor, inductee yeah. hopefully one day. Who, who you right. got? <laughs> this is,
2: this is, this is going to be an entity. I'm going to give it to the NFL. I'm going to give my real one to the NFL because they were talking about doing this little bubble around the combine and all of that, and then the agents and the kids were like, well— no, if that if we can't be there and have the access to them, then, then we won't do it. And I'm glad the NFL understood that they needed to have this combine because did either of you watch the combine? Like, did you see what no. these boys – See, I just like to see them do is run. Like, I appreciate the speed. Like, do you know
1: what 4-2-1 looks like? Yeah, it looks like, like James Harden in his first game um, – uh, with the Sixers. There you nice. go. That He Call was back. getting up and down that court.
2: But yes, the NFL for
1: putting the combine
2: on because I enjoyed watching it. Um, I enjoyed watching them boys fly up and down. It was a fast
1: track in Indianapolis. So real one of the week for putting it on. Man. And that has been another edition of Thursday Real Ones. Sharks, thanks for coming on, Brody. Make sure you guys check out um, Jonathan Sharks and Jake Howell, man. I have a question for you. Before you get out of your truck, does J. Kyle Mann have like the best voice on The Ringer? Because I think he has the best voice on The Ringer.
0: It's unbelievable. He should be on NPR or something.
1: It's an amazing. <laughs> I, I, you, I just want him to voice over like the rest of my life. Logan Murdoch <laughs> just got up out of bed today. I can't even do it, but it's a great voice. So make sure you check out Upside High with Jonathan Sharks and J. Kyle Mann. Make sure you check out Weekends with Waz. Make sure you check out Fall in the Boy with KLC. Make sure you check out Group Chat. Make sure you check out The Answer with Sarah Sully and Chris Ryan. Make sure you check out to to keep the Time to Keep the Propaganda Going. Ra, check out R2C2 with who?
2: Mm-mm-mm. Baleo Legend, Crescite Clown, CeCe
1: Sabathia. Make sure you check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Roger Bell Danielle Smith, Town Legend, Danielle Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting the stretch run. Real ones, we'll see you next week. Holla.